Hey, welcome to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. My name is Nick Anderson, and I will be doing a podcast series on the Gospel of John. Along with me will be various college students and young adults who have served the Lord faithfully at the Western Kentucky University Baptist Campus Ministry, also known as the WKUBCM. Before we get into today's podcast, I would like to read the Reflection of the Winter Growth Challenge. The reflection is written by Shella Kalman. Shella is the intramurals coordinator of the WKUBCM. However, I read these reflections to give credit where credit is due. A summary of, this, of the version and uh, space for notes can be found at WKUBCM.com. And here's what she has to say about John chapter 16. Uh, verse 20 says, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn into joy. One of the key truths in John chapter 16 is the joy of believers. At the beginning of chapter 16, Jesus is explaining to his disciples what will happen to him once he departs from this world. It is normal for the disciples to be concerned about the uncertain future especially when Jesus had been among them from the beginning of his mission. Jesus then goes on and tells his disciples, In a little, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Verse 16. While the disciples are confused on the speech, Jesus does not just give them the answer or the details about his impending departure and return. Instead, he focuses not on what will happen, but on how they will respond to what happens. He explains further, telling them their grief will be turned into joy. Jesus used the example of a mother in labor. She is in such pain, however, she forgets all her distress because of the incredible joy she has for this child she just brought into the world. So, with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you and you will rejoice, and no one will take you, take away, and no one will take away your joy. Verse 22. When Jesus is talking to his disciples about grieving, then rejoicing, when they see each other again, this is foreshadowing Jesus' death and resurrection. The disciples will grieve when they see Jesus being crucified. However, three days later, they will be overcome by joy and relief, and will rejoice now that Jesus is alive. When the verse states that no one will ever take away your joy, this is implementing that if your joy is in Jesus and secured in the cross, that no one or any earthly thing will be able to steal your joy from you. Jesus delivered us from the grip of sin. That triumph is guaranteed, and therefore our joy is secure. What does the search for joy entail in your life? Are you looking for joy in your relationships, in your work? Are you aiming for ultimate happiness and feeling control? In receiving praise from others in school, entertainment, or your grades? There can be joy and happiness in all of those things. However, our joy is temperamental. We cannot have ultimate joy in all of those earthly things. Our only true happiness can come from the cross. Jesus died to give us joy that can never be taken away. 
Shella was unfortunately not able to join us on the podcast, so instead, I brought in a guest. And with that, into the podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Winter Growth Challenge podcast. Uh, today, we will be looking into chapter 16 of John. And today, I am with Chloe Corbett. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so hi, I'm Chloe, like Nick said, and um, I, I'm i from Louisville, Kentucky, um, here right now, and I am a junior at Western, um, studying music, um, I'm a vocalist, and my minor is musical theater, so. Awesome, and, and like I said, we're going to be looking into John chapter 16 today, and this, this chapter is very interesting because it talks about the works of the Holy Spirit, joy, grief, tribulation, but the joy again. And so, my first question to you is, what did God show you when you were studying this chapter in John? Yeah, um, honestly, whenever I was reading it, I really liked the first part where... You know, Jesus talking about sending the Holy Spirit, um, the advocate. And what really stood out at me was verse um, 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. Um, that part stood out to me in the first part um, because he is the spirit of truth. And also, um, I just feel like in this world, it's, it's easy to say, you know, society says that we should speak our truth, um, but it's really important to to really talk about um, what the absolute truth is of the Bible um, and what the Holy Spirit says. And then the second part, talking about, you know, joy and, and, and still having joy and grief because, you know, our hope is in Jesus. And that's really important, especially with what's happening through this world um, today and how there's people, you know, suffering and just a lot of chaos, confusion, and the fact that we we have joy um, amidst that is really Yeah, I think um, what you said about truth is, in verse 13, I think, it's very important to base our truth around the Bible because today, in today's society, we see that truth is very often relative, meaning, you know, how my way is the right way, your way may be the right way, but it's probably wrong, but we won't try to change each other. And that's just the type of world we live in today. But the, the Spirit tells us this truth that Jesus was real. And that mm-hmm. this truth is that Jesus had come down to earth as a baby as we just celebrated at Christmas. And he has basically uh, made a way for us as sinners to be reconciled with God. And that is the truth of Scripture through his life, burial, and resurrection, and even his ascension later on. But I think it's important to realize that this truth that is said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And I feel like so often, we get truth and emotion mixed up as well. Especially in our, right, we talked about John chapter 11, 
or you didn't talk about it, but I did in my my own podcast about how emotion and truth are often like blurred because our emotions are so powerful. But at the same time, we have to realize that our emotions do not dictate the truth because truth is truth. You have to keep the main thing the main thing and the plain thing the plain thing. And so that plain thing is truth. And the main thing is Jesus. Moving on to the next question I have for you is like, is there anything that stood out to you specifically? Or like, is there anything that challenged you in this, pa- or in this uh, chapter? Yeah, actually, what's funny is that when you said that about emotions, um, so I, that was one of the things I wrote down. I think that for me specifically, I'm a very, <laughs> I'm a very big feelings person. I feel things very strongly and I can be very sensitive to other people's emotions um, and to my own emotions. That's something I feel like can be a good thing. But a bad thing with that is that sometimes feelings can feel like, can seem like they're, they're real when, you know, um, they're, they're not always true, you know, and someone had to tell me that recently because um, I was just struggling with just some big emotions. And and they said, not everything you feel is true. And to me, that was just this big revelation because I thought, well, it has to be true because it feels so real. It's so big. You know, it's so important to me. And and yeah, our feelings are subject to the word of God, you know, and our feelings are subject to, to God's truth. Um, so um, just because you feel something does not make it um, something that you need to act on. Or um, And I think that that's a challenge for me. Um, you know, if I feel sad or if I feel hurt, um, you know, I might want to just act in in that emotion, um, and that could hurt somebody else or that could hurt me, you know, um, even just strong happiness, you got to think before you do things, you know, and, um, and I think that can be something that's challenged for me. Um, also I think it ties into the joy thing. Um, I think that a lot of times, um, we can, I mean, I know, I'm going through something where I do feel upset, um, fear, I can really wallow in that fear. Um, instead of saying that, well, Jesus did overcome the world for me. And, and so I am not gonna, I'm not bound to fear. Um, just because I feel that does not mean that, um, you know, Jesus is bigger than that. And so obviously, um, it's just really hard to still hold on to Jesus's joy, to God's truth. And the fact that we are, you know, given the grace to go through what we go through. Um, I think that can be hard, but it's something that I'm working on. And I I feel like, you know, we all can, can learn from, from Jesus in that. Yeah. And I say also, you know, you mentioned a lot about emotions. And I think also another work of the spirit is that he, the spirit comforts us through our emotions. And then not only does it does the spirit comfort us, but it also convicts us of certain sins that we that may not be quite as present or apparent. So what I would add to that also is like what verse eight says of like when he comes he will convict the world he being the spirit, he will convict the spirit convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged and so we have to remember that at the end of the matter in all of Christianity is that we have a 
judge waiting for us to, for us to be judged, which is a very scary thought. But as believers, we have this hope, this truth that Christ has come into the world to save sinners like you and me. And so through that, you know, we also have to remem remember even when we feel like we are the most guilty person on the earth, that the Spirit will remind us of the greatest Savior we ever have. And another thing to mention is that um, in my church we've been talking about kind of a little bit of Christmas story, but at the same time a very interesting note was taken. It was like an equation, but it said like little forgiveness, which equals little God, which equals little worship. But big sin equals big Savior equals big God, which equals big time worship. And so we have to take that into consideration as well. So in the, in the, to shorten that, little sin leads to little worship, but big sin leads to big time worship because we have been saved from that sin. Did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I love that. I think that like, um, we can kind of, I think that sometimes we can kind of be like, oh, well, you know, I'm not that bad. I haven't done that many things. You know, I'm not like so-and-so, you know, I haven't done this, this, or that. Um, but when we realize that even like one bad thought put Jesus on the cross, you know, that was enough for Jesus. That was enough sin. Um, and the fact that we are saved, you know, by grace, um, no matter what we've done, um, and no matter how small we feel it is, it's still sin. And I feel like that can make us, that revelation can bring us to, like you said, big, big worship to be like, wow, I am saved from such a horrible demise that I could not save myself from. Um, but Jesus did that for me. And that makes me want to praise him all the more. And when we have that revelation, it's easier to be like, wow, I want to give him everything, you know? So I like that. Yeah. And with that kind of like big worship, that should give us this joy that, this joy is talked about in the later part of the chapter. So my question for you, I guess, is where are some ways that Satan seems to attack our joy? Okay, yeah, that's a good question. It's a big question. Um, I'd say for me specifically, it would be through, through fear and shame. Um, I think that the enemy, I've always heard that guilt is, you know, I've done something bad and shame is I am something bad. Um, and so for me, I struggle, I know it can just struggle with, I feel like Satan can really tell you like whisper and be like, Oh, you're bad. You know, look at all the things you've done, you know, or, or look, you're not perfect, you know? Um, and it can really steal your joy, um, being afraid that you, you have to be perfect. And I think that that's something that I struggle with is just, you know, it, <laughs> Living a life of trying to be perfect is not very a life of joy. You know, like you don't, it's hard to be joyful whenever you're trying to be perfect. And I think for me, it's just really hard and not feeling like, you know, you always, you don't feel like you measure up. And, and so I'm trying to like counteract that by knowing that like Jesus did it for me. You know, Jesus is enough for me. Jesus. And I think that like in verse um, 31, it says, Do you now believe Jesus? And I really like that because it's like after all the disciples and he had been through, he's like, do you guys finally get like who I am, you know? And I think that sometimes he asks us that, 
do you now believe like I know you've walked with me but like do you get who I am like I am enough for you so for me like that brings me joy to say that Jesus is enough for me like I don't have to be perfect um God's grace is enough he is you know my savior he is my peace he is the restorer of my broken pieces um and so that's something that really helps me know. Satan is really whispering like you did this or you did that or you're not as good as so-and-so you know and um also comparison um I have a brother who is absolutely amazing and I have four brothers but one of my little brothers he's I think 15 and he's absolutely amazing at every single thing he touches it's quite fabulous but <laughs> as an older sister it can be really hard to look at that and say wow my parents really like him you know he's really great um and it's hard to be joyful whenever I see like how great he is in comparison to some things that I'm not good at and so I think comparison can really steal our joy but knowing that, you know, I can find joy in the fact that, like, I can make him happy by complimenting him and, like, being there for him and encouraging him brings me joy, if that makes sense, um, to see him rise. Even if it's, like, above what I can do, like, seeing him thrive, you know, as a big sister is, like, gold, you know. And so doing that is something that brings me joy, too. So. Yeah. I just kind of want to, like, reemphasize that side that you said about perfectionism. Me also being a perfectionist can easily relate to you because we want everything to go perfectly. But in reality, we live in a fallen, broken world where none, none of the things that transpire probably happen the way they, they ought to happen. Okay. And so that's one of the ways that Satan can steal joy co most commonly among some other people. But it's like silence. That's the thing that we have to understand that Satan does not steal our joy publicly. He steals our joy silently. And that so often we can all be, we can all put on a mask. We can all be joyful and act like we're joyful. But are we actually joyful? I mean, at the same time, I'm talking about your comparison with your brother as well about how how easy it's easy um, how easy it is to compare yourself to others and so like even whenever that a comparison between a brother or sister in Christ like they're so much better than me they're so much more talented than me you know like I do let's see I play the comparison game all the time whenever I compare myself with talking with somebody else Satan steals my joy. It's like, man, why don't I just fit in with everybody else? But at the same time, we have to change our perspective constantly because that's what Paul writes in Romans 12 too. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you may discern what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so with that, you know, it's so much easier to go out into the day and say, man, what a, what, a joy, what a great day the Lord has made today. You know, kind of like what Psalm 118 says or something like that. Like, today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Again, it's just all about kind of that perspective. And when we don't basically take up God's word and read it constantly to ourselves and remind us of this truth that 
the Spirit is trying to help us interpret, understand, then what are we feeding ourselves instead? I think that's important to note as well. Because if we are not feeding ourselves with the Bible, then how, how will we ever find joy in this world or in this life in general? I love that. I think that's, yeah, I think that that's spot on. Um, I think that, yeah, you're right. Whenever we do, it's just important that what we fill our minds with really just affect us. And, and if we're trying to fight something, if we're having trouble, you know, comparing or we're having trouble with worry or we're having trouble with like emotions, you know, taking over just our own preferences, it's going to be really hard to to combat those thoughts um, and those tendencies if we're not filling ourselves up with the Holy Spirit um, and, and with, you know, in prayer, in the word, in worship, um, just getting in community with other people. Um, that's just really important to to really have those weapons, you know, and to have to put on like Ephesians 6, you know, to put on the full armor of God, um, the sword of the spirit and um, the word of God is is so important and really just ruminating and just meditating on those words um, of Jesus, especially. And, and just anything in the Bible is just very important if we want to fill our minds with, with the spirit. So yeah, I think that's, that's beautiful. So this next section that um, we're going to cover is like the sorrow will turn it into joy. I think we've already touched on it just a little bit of how our sorrow will turn into joy. And I think that the greatest sorrow we could have ever experienced is the sorrow that Christ had to die for our sins. But the greatest joy we have ever experienced that Christ raised from the dead so to overcome our sin. And so he had this whole entire section from verse 16 to 24 about asking and receiving and stuff. Like, especially like verse 23, Jesus says, like, in that day, the day that basically Christ dies, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have been asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. And so, especially after this. Christmas holiday we call Christmas we get all of these things does bring comfort to us but whenever Jesus says ask and you will receive I'm not so sure he means that kind of stuff because that brings us comfort however if if God were to answer everything from your recent prayers right how many things could be labeled as comfort how many things could be labeled as missing? And so what Jesus is right here saying is that we are to be very mission-minded. And that, that if we ask for the Spirit to work, He will work and we will receive it. And that our joy may be complete. But if we ask for like, I don't know, the new PlayStation 5, you're, you're probably not going to receive it. I mean... Like you, prob you will probably in the distant future, by God's mm -hmm. grace. But, you know, I'm not really sure that's what he's talking about here. So, but I think my question for you, whenever Jesus says, ask and you will receive, that your joy may be complete, I'm going to ask you, 
what are some things that, as humans, we commonly ask for, may or may not complete our joy? Yeah, that's good. Um, it's a very convicting question. Um, <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> no, no, it's good. It makes me think. Um, so I'd say one of the things for me, I think is a lot of times I will ask with the motivation. I don't really realize this. It's kind of like a, you know, I don't know. It's just something that I don't really, I'm just kind of like, I don't realize I do this, but I do. I'd say a lot of times I kind of ask in pride um, and say, okay, God, make me like, basically what I'm asking is I'll be like, oh, you know, help me do better at this and stuff. But what I'm kind of asking is like, God, make me, make me as good as you so that I don't need your grace. I think that I do that a lot because as a person who struggles with perfectionism, I really, my, one of my sin flaws, I'd say would be, I want to be good enough on my own so that I'm not humble enough to accept grace. And so a lot of times I think that that does not bring me joy because I am not God. Um, (laughs) And that is not godly to ask of, but I think that it can be something that's easy for me um, Mm -hmm. to want to be, you know, it's, it's pride. It's just wanting to be good enough on my own. And I I think that grace is, grace is so great. Um, But for me, it's so hard to accept because that means I have to realize my flaws. And so, but joy can come with saying, wow, God, I am a sinner. I am dirty and I am messed up and I cannot save myself and I have messed up again or, you know, I'm struggling with this or, you know, I need, I need grace. And, um, really, you know, I think asking in his name, like, God, help me accept your grace so that you're glorified, um, would something that not only would glorify him, but bring me joy, um, knowing that he's the one that is good enough. And I think that, you know, what you said about, man, that was really good. Cause what you said about how many times do we ask things for comfort, um, instead of, you know, permission, it's like, man, all of the prayers I pray, it's like, I need to work on that. Like I really do, you know, like I do pray for other people, you know, and I do, you know, pray about this and that. And, but I think that really praying to be on mission, to be on fire for God and, and how can I help practically is really something that I think we can all work on. Um, because, you know, especially in America where, you know, it's a lot of, we have a lot of, we have a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's, and we want more stuff. And so we can really, I think that we can all work on being like, wow, there are people even, you know, I mean, we could have neighbors we don't really talk to and they need something more than we do. And realizing that we're not on this planet to be, you know, to be happy. We're on this planet to, to, you know, to point to Jesus, you know, and, and, and to, to praise him and worship him and accept him and lift him high. And, and so really getting in that mindset of, you know, I, I think that it's easy to live life and be like, okay, well, I, I live, I have a job, I have a family, I have a career, and then I die. But it's like, no, like we're on the reason we have a family, the reason we have a job, the reason we have a career and we have dreams is to point to Jesus, you know, and that brings us joy. That is so, I mean, when we are in our purpose and we are doing what we do best to point to Jesus, you know, and I feel like people are given gifts to point to Jesus. You know, if you, if you're good with kids or you're good at, you know, math, I mean, anything like that, if, if you can point to Jesus in that, that's beautiful. And that's something that brings joy. Like I love, I love to sing. Um, and so I'm, I'm a vocalist and music major and I love singing and using that in worship 
just makes me the happiest person in the world. You know, just knowing that, wow, I can, I can praise Jesus with my voice. I love doing this and he loves it. And that just makes me joyful. And a lot of times, a lot of um, hard times I've had, singing is really, you know, worshiping and singing to God has really brought me a lot of joy. Yeah. And everybody struggles with that kind of pride, you know, of just like, like God, just please like remove this so that I don't have to struggle with it. But in reality, you know, the reason why he gives us struggles and suffering in the world is for us to look to him with a fuller understanding of who he is. And because of that, you know, this is why we will receive tribulation. Is that if our lives were perfectly fine, if our lives were, and we didn't have the spirit to convict us of any of this, then, like, we could essentially be our own gods. In John chapter 16, it's telling us that, again, we must constantly change our perspective and be pre-teaching ourselves truth so that when the hard times does do come that we may remember these truths that we already pre-taught ourselves that we may cling to Christ and that if we ask for help and comfort in our time of deepest grief then we will receive comfort and comfort in our deepest sorrows. I think also another thing to to add there, thank you for sharing a little bit, a reminder that all of us do struggle with similar things, that we do all struggle with pride, we, we all do struggle with humbling ourselves, but how many of us do we also struggle with shame and guilt, and then we also struggle with anger or jealousy, gossip, envy, etc., it's just a reminder that even in our times of deepest sin, in our times of deepest sorrow, that we must, again, cling to the truth and that because the truth will set us free. And that in this chapter specifically, that we must, again, cling to the spirit as we wrap up the podcast, are there any like final thoughts you have on this chapter or like, is there anything you would like to share with the listeners of this podcast? Yeah. Um, I just say, remember that, um, you know, God's truth, the Bible is the absolute truth. No matter what anybody says, no matter what, you know, media or society, or we feel, um, all of that is subject to God's truth and God in the Bible. And just remembering that and the times to come um, in this, you know, we're approaching a new year. Um, just remembering that um, no matter what happens in the next year, whether it's good or bad, you know, giving all the glory to God, um, that he is our peace. He is our joy and he has overcome everything. And he's already, you know, in the future and already knows exactly what's going to happen and is perfectly prepared to, to help us through anything. And so that, that brings me a lot of joy because it's it's exciting to start a new year but it's like okay what's gonna happen so yeah so that jesus is in that no matter what happens so that's really exciting thank you so much for listening to the what's your growth challenge podcast if you enjoyed please leave us a rating if you are interested in podcasting yourself then i would encourage you to look into anchor the podcast software where you can upload edit and record your podcast 
Another special thanks to the WKUBCO for making this Winter Girls Challenge possible, along with its full-time staff members, Tommy Johnson, the campus minister, Jeannie Atwood, the administrative assistant, Colin and Sarah Wood, international student ministers, Brad and Kate Clarity, campus minister associate and intern, Maya DeHay, campus minister associate, along with other interns, Carly Gunn, Noah Pike, Jake Fisher, Aaron Fisher. A special thanks to Chloe Corbett for joining us today. Audio and sound engineer Gideon Martin, graphic design art Nick Anderson. And once again, thank you again for listening to today's podcast. I hope you have a great day.